Good afternoon, people of Brooklyn and people of the internet. I am Caleb Clardy. This is episode three of the Brooklyn interview series. We're off to a bang. We're coming to you from a couch on an overcast day in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. I'm sitting here next to Tyler Staten. Want to say hello, Tyler? Hello, everyone. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. You're looking great. I had the flu earlier this week, so you might not want to lean in while I'm talking, but I'm doing good now. Man, sorry about the flu. That's okay, it happens. Classic season change situation. So, this is episode three of the Brooklyn Interview Series. Um, We have our second guest ever with us today, Gemma Ryan. We're going to say more about Gemma in just a few minutes, but Gemma, originally from Belfast and a member of uh, Trinity Grace Williamsburg. You want to say hello, Gemma? Yeah, hi, everyone. (laughs) Fantastic. So, you're going to hear some more of Gemma's story in just a few minutes, but just, again, to set the scene of what we're up to on the Brooklyn Interview Series, um, it's a joint effort between between Trinity Grace Williamsburg and Trinity Grace Park Slope, um, the two churches that Tyler and I have the privilege of of pastoring and uh, serving in, and we get to cover a lot of grounds in our communities on Sunday mornings, um, but we wanted to have a space where we could explore stories from the life of our church, from our neighborhood, and our neighbors, just that bring out practical, helpful ways of, of living the things we're discussing on Sunday out in in real life. And so um, the Brooklyn Interview Series is an attempt to do that. We're in a, in a series in both of our churches right now on the called the Wellspring of Life on our hearts and that we live from our hearts, our seat of desire and affections and the energy with which we make decisions comes from, from our hearts. Even, even though we obviously, um, it's important what fills our brains and our minds that we're not just thinking things, um, we're feeling and, and, and loving things, people of desire. And so we, we've been looking at this, um, extended parable that Jesus tells about the four types of soil and the seed that's sown and how that represents four different conditions of our hearts and this past week, we covered the second soil, which is the shallow, uh, rocky ground where the seeds don't find any root. It's different from the hardened path. It's different from um, the soil that uh, the, the seed is choked eventually, and then the good soil later later in the parable. This is one of the parables that Jesus tells, and then we get his detailed explanation of it, so we know quite a bit about what he was intending. And we ended um, just trying to ask the quick question for our own hearts, how do we go grow in depth? And how do we grow in a rootedness and an abiding connection to God? And a few things we were talking about was living communally and trusting your um, your heart and the deep things of your heart to other people who who can speak back, who can who can be a, an intimate connection to remind you of who you are and who God is. Uh, regularly engaging in the practice of confession as an integral part of, of of growing in depth and rootedness and sort of a refusal to stay shallow. But one of the more challenging ones is wrestling with God and. We talked about how all of us are going to experience pain and even disappointment in, in our life with God, and what we do with that pain and disappointment and those questions really matters. And so we wanted to take a little time and, and just do sort of an extended meditation and hear Gemma's story on how how do you handle it when you feel like God isn't coming through in a way that, that you wanted. And so, Tyler, I want to pass it to you guys and, and let you sort of get into telling some of Gemma's story and, and her her sort of wrestling with God. Yeah, so first of all, um, I've known Gemma for the last two and a half years or so, and for the majority of that time, Gemma, I've watched you walk through a process of wrestling with God, which I know entails um, 
some very personal aspects of your story and requires some vulnerability on your part. So first, I just want to say thank you so much for being willing to share with us and the remainder of the unknown world that <laughs> might hear this. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, so one thing that we mentioned last Sunday that I think is important for framing is that everyone engages in a process of wrestling with God for different reasons. For some people, it's just the slow drone of the ordinary. It is looking back across a couple decades of walking with Jesus and wondering if it made any difference at all. It's, um, you know, praying regularly and, and questioning, is God answering these prayers? Is there anyone on the other side of this? And for others of us, there's an inciting incident. There's some way that we feel let down by God or our expectations are not met by God in some way, and that sends us into a very immediate season of wrestling with God. So could you start just by giving us some context of your own story and sort of what is it that began your season of wrestling? Hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, well, just over two years ago now, my, um, my sister-in-law Louise died in front of me. Um, she was 32 years old. She was just this beautiful, vivacious, feisty, brave human being. Um, and cancer had just utterly destroyed her body. Um, she and my brother had been married for three years. They, um, the week that she was dying at home marked their three-year anniversary. So the anniversary card sat there on the nightstand through it all. Um, and Harry, her little boy, would turn one less than a week later. So everything about this just felt wrong and cruel and just not how things are supposed to be. Um, and I'd had, you know, people in my life who I cared about die, but there was something about watching someone you love just stop living. Um, watching your little brother lose his wife, watching parents lose a, a child. Um, it was the most heart-wrenchingly awful thing that I've experienced. And um, I think it, um, particularly because Louise was so determined not to die, um, she was so convinced that she'd be healed. I think that um, added to just the difficulty in watching, just hope seemed to fade. Um, and I think it did... Um, kind of draw a line in the sand and create this unexpected before and after in my journey of faith with God. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the before side. Tell us what your relationship with God looked like historically leading up to that. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about the formative experiences you had with God, the ways that you related to God, that sort of thing. Well, I, I had never had like any kind of dramatic like conversion story I feel like I have never not known that there was a God who existed and loved me and wanted to be in relationship with me um, and I you know went through my whole life involved in church keeping you know most of the rules and uh, <laughs> I probably you know thought I had all the answers and probably uh probably had a little bit of a skewed um, idea of grace, you know, had this deep feeling, I think deep down that I had to be good in order to earn God's love um, and approval. Um, 
but as I say, grew up in church, um, you know, Christian family, a lot of Christian friends, um, but moved away to college and met a group of Christians who were so passionate about Jesus. Um, they weren't just excited about being part of a church community. They were just really excited about a person. And I, I just became jealous for that. I was craving the kind of intimacy and experience with God that they seemed to have that I, until that point, felt that I, I didn't have. And so I think that just started me on this journey of it just wasn't enough for me to know about God. Like I just really wanted to know him personally. I wanted to see that everything in scripture was this invitation to experience God. And and so I feel like over the years that has taken me on a journey of just pursuing silence and solitude, um, pursuing contemplation, really wanting to listen and hear from God for myself and inviting the Holy Spirit to encounter me in dreams and visions and my imagination and so I, I feel like I really was cultivating this intimacy with God that um, really became my grandfather used this term the center and circumference of my life that's what it felt like it was just like my source it was everything and it became just a very natural part of my day-to-day life um, and so you know I probably considered myself to be pretty strong Christian, pretty, you know, full of faith, faith in God's goodness and his love and his power, his provision. Um, And in a lot of ways, when Louise died, it felt like in some ways everything I'd built in my faith journey, it just felt like a house of cards that fell down. And that that left me with a lot of pain and a lot of questions. Mm. So tell us about that immediate after then. Um, if you could take us to the weeks following Louise's passing. Um, I guess be more specific about the house of cards falling down. What, what, were, what was the ground you were left to stand on in your relationship with God? Well, I would say that immediately afterwards, I, I would say that I did feel a tangible sense of God's presence and his grace and love carrying me through the first few weeks I think because this was my little brother I wanted to just be the strong one I wanted to step in and do all the hard stuff so that he didn't have to do it I you know there were just a lot of very painful things that I just it was like right this is this is what I'm here for I'm gonna do this stuff and and so I think I was like um, seemingly pretty sort of strong and together And really it was when I came back to New York that everything hit me because I walked into an apartment that had been filled with prayers of faith for her healing Mm. and suddenly I was hit with the reality that we'd lost her. And, um, And I think just then allowing myself to start feeling everything, that's when all of the turmoil surfaced because up until that point I think I'd sort of built this glass wall between me and the sort of rumble of panic you know I'd um I'd maybe distance myself and not really embrace the losses my own loss um so I feel like when I came back here that's when the reality of, re- of everything started to hit me yeah so you are then back in a city where you've prayed filled with faith for her healing mm-hmm. around the people that have shared those prayers mm-hmm. with you in the places where you've prayed those things, 
Um, so if you can just take us into your spirituality and your emotions at that time, is there a way that you can boil down uh, maybe the question or questions that suddenly cropped up in your relationship with God that weren't there before? You know, what aspects of the faith of your youth were suddenly in question hmm. um, on the other side of this disappointment? Well, I think what I felt um, predominantly was um, that the God I thought I knew had betrayed me. And I realized that theologically, this isn't accurate, but I'm just saying this is, this is how I felt, that mm-hmm. I'd been betrayed. I felt like... Um, like maybe a, like a spouse whose um, partner has cheated on them and this relationship of trust is just like crumbling. That's kind of how I felt at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like the, um, the safe place that I created with God just didn't really feel safe anymore. And all of the anger and the pain and the questions and the doubts that I felt made me want to avoid God and distance myself from him. Um, and... I think I just didn't even want to be in his presence because I blamed him. I was angry and I resented him for what had happened. And um, there was a lot of guilt around that as well. You know, the fact that I wasn't the strong Christian that I thought I was. So not only was I like grieving the loss of the person that I loved, but I also felt like I was grieving for the loss of myself in a way, like the best of myself that I felt Mm -hmm. like I'd lost. And, um, and obviously, you know, into that just felt very alone because um, this relationship of intimacy that had been so present in my life, it now just felt like this sort of absence. Um, and I, I feel like there were so many questions at the time that were sort of rolling around in my head. Um, I think probably one of the major questions for me was um, how in control is God? Hmm. How in control is he in my life, in the universe? Um, And if he didn't choose to protect me and those I love from this, what future suffering am I going to have to endure? Um, And I think the whole uh, I think the whole idea of healing became a big question for me. You know, um, I'd always love to pray in faith for people's healing. Um, and suddenly I just found myself asking, well, why does God heal some people? You know, I almost got to a point where I would have found it easier to say, okay, we live in a fallen world. Nobody gets healed until we, God makes everything new, um, in eternity. And, um, but then there was this question, well, but also I know that he does heal people and I believe that he can. So what's the criteria? Why do some people get healed and others don't? Um, was there a magic word that we just didn't say? Um, you know, it's just all of those sorts of questions. Um, and I suppose ultimately, do I really believe that God is good, even if he doesn't answer the prayer of my heart? Um, and so verses of scripture, like, you know, pray for anything in my name and I will do, you know, those sorts of things I would just, if I heard them in church, I'd just be screaming on the inside because I just didn't get what, where, how is this true in relation to my current situation? Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like there were a lot of questions, but those are probably the, the big ones that they boil down to. Yeah. So 
do you feel like there came a time? Or I guess first let me back up and ask this just really specifically. How did your regular rhythms of relating to God change during this season? You, you talked about not wanting to be in God's presence. So did you essentially withdraw and choose not to be? or, or Yeah. How did that work? Yeah, for a while I just, um, I just withdrew. And I just avoided time with him. I just gave him the cold shoulder. Uh, like the way in, you know, if someone in your life who's very close to you is hurt you, you know, different people have different ways of um, expressing that. And some people, you know, go straight in confrontation and other people withdraw and go quiet. I'm the second. And that's what I do with my husband. That's what I do with God. That's yeah. that's how I, um, I try to cope with the weight of everything that I feel. So initially, yes, there was a long period of time where um, after I moved back to New York where I just avoided and withdrew. And, and emotionally during that time, did you did you miss God? Did you find yourself growing cold towards God? Did you did you feel better not speaking to God? You know, what was kind of I, I mean, I imagine this massive chunk of your life that you're now kind of pretending not to look at was in the back of your mind somewhere. So what was the effect there? Yeah, I think it was a mixture of things. Um, I definitely missed that union and that intimacy and that oneness that I felt like I had had. But I was also questioning whether that was an illusion or Hmm. whether it was real. And so um, it was that sort of dialogue going on in my head. Um, And yet there was a part of me that would just almost find myself saying... But God, I, I can't just dismiss you because I've known too much of your love. Like I've experienced too much of you to just walk away. And there were days when I felt like it would have been easier just to say, peace out, I'm done. Don't believe in God anymore. Um, it felt like the harder road to just continue and just slowly, inch by inch, try to turn my face towards him again. So was there a time... Um, where you more or less decided, okay, I'm going to wrestle through this with God um, instead of avoiding it, walking away from God, whatever the other options may have been. Did you feel like you needed to make an intentional choice yes. to wrestle with God? Yeah, I feel like I did. I um, Well, I, was, I remember reading, um, like Richard Rohr talks about how there's, um, there's two paths to transformation. There's prayer and their suffering and when I read that I just felt like um, there's the possibility to have positive transformation as a result of suffering but that that's not automatic like and I it was that realization that suffering had the potential to grow me or it could completely annihilate me and I just knew that if I continued the way I was going it was going to do the latter so I just knew that um there needs to be there needs to be a shift and the shift for me was getting brutally honest with God um I think I was too tired for polite prayers Mm -hmm. um so for the first time probably in my Christian experience I got really honest and I brought all of that anger and disappointment and doubting and fears everything to God um so if I could ask you, yeah. take us as specifically as you can into that process of wrestling. I mean, 
put us in your shoes. Are you pacing around your apartment screaming at God? Are you, you know, like, what is that, what does that look like for someone in the midst of grief and all these doubts have bubbled up as a result? Um, what does it look like to say like, okay, I'm going to wrestle through this with God? Well, you know, some of it, like for me, I love being outside and just talking out loud to God. And in New York, sometimes I find that really hard because I don't have like places and spaces in which to do that. So yeah, there were definitely times when I just put my headphones in to pretend that I was talking to someone and just like talked out loud to God as I walked the pier, as I walked Transmitter Park. Um, Some of it was just like, sitting and just weeping and just not not trying to stop it because there was definitely a a a point in which I was just like just push it down push Mm -hmm. it down you know and I just had to come to a point where I would just let all of that out um a lot of it for me was stream of consciousness writing just like letting it all out and not filtering it at all like knowing that no one's going to read it it's just between me and God just get it all out there pen on paper and so writing became a really important part of my grieving process and my recovery process um my spiritual director suggested this um exercise which um has been very helpful for me in terms of wrestling with god and it's just simply like taking five minutes out of your day and just getting still and saying um today god i come to you feeling blank whatever that is and not judging it, not analyzing it. Um, and so for me, just like that was a very a very new thing for me to say, today, God, I come to you feeling angry and I'm, I'm angry with you. And, you know, not, and for me learning not to judge that. Um, and I think that probably led me also to a place of greater kind of self-acceptance. Um, and then the next part of it is saying, today God what I desire from you is and that became a very simple discipline of just being in God's presence whilst feeling the full weight of everything I was feeling Mm. and 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 feeling like when I was there what I was encountering was this just this fierce unrelenting love from God Mm. that would just envelop me so it unraveled all of my you know beliefs from childhood that I needed to be good enough to be in God's presence because I was just everything was exposed and I still felt very held in his love um and that was a large part I think for me in just in just sort of step by step growing a kind of intimacy again with Mm -hmm. God because I just couldn't even in the midst of not having answers and even in the presence of mystery I still couldn't deny that there was this love that was pursuing me. Yeah, so the the most obvious biblical example we have when it comes to wrestling with God is Jacob. And Jacob, when he wrestles with God, has his name changed from Jacob, which means deceiver, to Israel, which is which means triumphant with God, the, the name that's on the receiving end of all of God's promises. And so we see this incredible transformation for Jacob that he gets to go from someone defined by the worst aspects of his story if you know his life story leading up to that to be defined by these incredible covenant promises from God and so one thing that we see in the scriptures is sort of this um, implicit promise that wrestling is a way to hard one depth in our relationship with God 
But we can read that in the book of Genesis and use that to tie a sermon together really nicely. But what does that actually look like in your life as you've walked through this process? How, if in any way, can you say in the midst of this wrestling, which I'm sure is still in process in many ways, mm-hmm, yeah. have you found a greater level of depth in your relationship with God? Well, I think, as I said before, you know, the I think getting really honest with God, like that kind of honesty, I think can give way to an intimacy that you haven't experienced before, and it can move you towards a faith that feels more real and more honest. I think my experience has been that what I perceive to be my great loss of faith became a kind of finding um, a finding of uh, I guess my true self um, and a discovery of God and the extent of his love and compassion Um, I think bringing my own sorrow to God like just um, opened up this opportunity for me to know him as a God who suffers and to know Jesus as a man of sorrows and to almost to see that my anger at death was in some way tapping into the heart of God in some sort of mysterious way and that was a I guess that was territory that was unknown to me prior to really experiencing the reality of suffering because I knew it in theory you know I knew all the stuff in theory but when it actually happened I think um it just opened up this yeah this new territory um and I think that love relationship with Jesus with a person that I was sort of growing again and the experience of peace um, in the midst of my questions I think has has started me on this journey of growing a faith that is is really rooted in the person of Jesus and the love relationship that I have with him and not based on circumstances working out the way Mm. I want them to yeah you know there's one thing that you said um, that rings really true to me a parallel between your story and Jacob's and that is those journals that you filled up with stream of consciousness. You know, one thing that happens in the Old Testament so often when some a new piece of God's character is revealed is an altar gets built um, as like a, a visible reminder that this is true about God. And Jacob does that after wrestling with God. He builds an altar. And in many ways, I feel like you have journals somewhere on a bookshelf in your home that are an altar of something that you have walked through with God that has revealed to you something about the depth of his character and the depth of the human experience that is a physical reminder that will always sit there, Mm -hmm. Um, a reminder of your choice to wrestle um, when you didn't have to. So I think that's really beautiful. Um, Just one last question, and then we'll leave you alone. (laughs) But um, maybe there's people listening to this that... um, are in a season of wrestling. Maybe there's people listening to this that don't know it, but they're about to be in a season of wrestling. And so to those people who might be wrestling with doubt or confusion or anger or grief, um, what would you say to them? How would you encourage them to engage that process? Uh, What wisdom might you share from your experience? I think one of the most helpful things that 
uh, was said to me after Louise died amidst all the unhelpful things that lots of people said um, was that doubt is not the opposite of faith that doubt is the road we walk on the journey of faith and um, I think I think I would want to say to them that they have permission to feel everything, to let themselves feel all of the emotions and um, to not minimize it or deny it or to suppress it, but to somehow bring it into the presence of God. Um, Like the way I talked about earlier today, God, I come to you feeling, you know, blank. Um, I think just being really honest um, is a really good start. and I, I know that my tendency is to withdraw and to avoid God, but I would want to just encourage people to just get into God's presence, whether it's for a minute or five minutes or whatever you can face on that particular day, and just allow him to love you in the midst of the pain that you feel. Um, I think, you know, I definitely have resonated with the Father in... Um, I think it's Mark 9, where he says to Jesus, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And I think just knowing that that in the, the history of the world, like so many of the people that we look up to as being these, you know, great people of faith, they they all have journeyed through these desert wilderness experiences, the dark night of the soul, and um, that it can become something that really does grow us. Um, I also would say that I think it's really important to find safe people. You mentioned, you know, community earlier. Um, But I would say that, you know, it's not always the case that your closest friends are the best people Mm -hmm. to journey with you through certain things. I think it takes certain type of people often people who have journeyed through pain and suffering themselves to not be scared of your pain and your questions and I think to be around people who can just be with you and love you without trying to fix you is a really really important thing Um, I definitely felt at times that people around me felt like my doubting was sort of contagious and if they stayed around me too long it might like infect them you know and I think that it is really important to be around people who who are okay with your doubts and your questions and um, who don't need to have answers and who can sit in the presence of mystery with you. Um, you know, I mentioned journaling earlier. That is, has been a really helpful thing for me and obviously other people have sort of creative expressions, ways that they can um, process their emotions. I think sometimes it is helpful to seek out professional help through grief counselling that was very helpful for me or spiritual direction Um, but I think yeah the main thing that I would say is you just have permission to to feel how you feel for as long as you need to find people around you who can be with you in that and just get into God's presence and and know his his love and his love is ultimately I think what brings healing yeah, I think the the permission to doubt is so important. I know that Caleb's going to share with us a bit about the book Disappointment with God by Philip Yancey in just a second, but he's one of my favorite authors, and one thing that he says outside of that book is that he is a proponent of doubt because without doubt, he wouldn't know God because he grew up in a very 
conservative um, expression of the Christian faith, left that faith as a young adult, and then through honestly engaging his deepest questions, found himself back in relationship with God at a much deeper place. Um, So thank you so much, Gemma. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you on behalf of whoever will listen to this that will really be led forward by your story. I really appreciate uh, you being willing to join us. Yeah, Gemma, I just want to say it was worth it for us to start this podcast and this interview series just to hear the stuff you just shared with us. It was so, so meaningful. The phrase, a hard-won depth, I feel like really, really speaks to your story and um, the fact that you shared it here with us when uh, elementary school was releasing across the <laughs> across the the uh, road and, and delivery trucks with just no real respect for what we're talking about up here, or <laughs> making really loud sounds. Um, uh, one of the things you said that I just found so moving was, um, I think about my own periods of grief uh, in relation to this, but that when you brought your anger at death to God and you know, that there's a connection there that God has a deep anger at death as well. And, and part of, you know, maybe some of the most significant aspects of the story of redemption is the lengths he's going to, to remove it from the equation. Um, and I don't know, that just gave me chills when you said that. So thank you for you. you um, it's obvious that you've wrestled with God and that you've gotten a, both a hard one depth and, a gift for articulating the wisdom that you want in that in that in that wrestling and yeah I think maybe to wrap up we just wanted if people are out there listening and, and are in a time of wrestling or um, just looking for for resources beyond um, beyond what we've already sp- spoken about there's a few books and authors that we can commend to you certainly this is not an exhaustive list but disappointment with God and where is God when it hurts are two books by Philip Yancey that just have a lot of hard-won depth in them. Um, they're really accessible, um, sh- sort of shepherding your heart type of type of books, but also asking real, uh, really good questions. Uh, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering by Tim Keller, um, also a, a helpful book. Has a little bit more sort of um, it, it's more theological and in, in, in aspects and chapters of it than than the Yancey books are. Um, if that's an appropriate description, then you mentioned this, Gemma, um, the classic by St. John of the Cross, Dark Night of the Soul, and just what those dark nights of the soul, the, the potential that they have, um, yeah, suffering, this sort of crossroads between is this going to annihilate me or is this going to produce something in me that is you know, a virtue that's good. And, and um, it's an ancient work that's um, really helped many believers throughout, throughout the uh, centuries and I think super compelling is the prayer life of the saints in the scriptures uh, is not the nice, neat, tidy prayer life that many of us grow up in church um, hearing about, you know, smiling white teeth people um, giving very polite prayers, um, the prayers that we find Moses praying and David praying and, and even Jesus in the garden praying are, are much messier. And so I just appreciate the encouragement to, to vent all of your soul to God in prayer uh, I think that's probably enough. I was going to read a few passages from Disappointment with God, but I'll leave that as a mystery so that you have to go <laughs> check out the book yourself. Um, and I think we've we've covered such good ground here um, today. So thank you so much, Gemma, for your, for your honesty and for sharing your story. 
Good questions, Tyler. Great job, buddy. Thanks. It feels right. Did I think you, did if you, this pastor thing doesn't work out, I'm definitely going to be an investigative <laughs> reporter. Yeah, clearly. Did you write those questions when you had the flu? Actually, yes, I did. Oh, you're like Michael Jordan, overachieving with the flu. 1996 NBA Finals. Well, Man, thanks. you persevered through pain and suffering to write like those to, questions. I'd like to see You're say a that's... living example of your own teaching. That's inspiring. And with I... such great hair, you're going to go places. I had a funny joke I was going to make, but the timing's off. No, make it. Good, no, goodbye, Brooklyn. There's going to be a lot of funny jokes on episode four. Check back with us. <laughs>